0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans 11. We have the Jew and the Gentile. They're being placed side by side. And Paul now is going to show some contrasts between those two nations, Gentile nations and then Israel as a nation. And it also is a contrast or a look towards Israel's future restoration, which Romans 11 calls their fullness, okay? We'll pick up at verse number thirteen, Romans chapter number eleven. Bible says, uh, "For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostles, apostle of the Gentiles." Now, who is Paul as an individual? Paul is an ind- he is an individual believing Jew. That's Paul. And he is being used by God to reach, to minister to the Gentiles. That's his main ministry. That doesn't mean he doesn't bring it to Jewish people, but God is using him as an individual to minister to the Gentiles. But at the same time that that's happening, what is being brought out in Romans 11 is that God is using Israel... As an unbelieving nation. You see the contrast? Paul as an individual believing Jew. Israel as an unbelieving nation. God is using both of them at the same time. And this is contrasted now in Romans chapter number 11. God is using Paul in belief. And God is using the nation in unbelief. No, and that's something. And He says, "I magnify mine office." Well, why? That seems pretty egotistical. <laughs> well, there's a purpose here on why. He says in verse number fourteen, "Here's the purpose. I magnify my office." Verse fourteen: If by any means I may provoke. To emulation, that's a, that's a, that's zealously jealous emulation. It also comes from the word emulate, uh, to make a copy of or to mimic, mimic mimic me in a sense. Paul is saying emulate me. Why? That which are my f- he says I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some. Let that sink in. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh. Remember back in Romans 9, he says, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Those are his fellow Jewish brethren. Okay? And when Paul is preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, guess who might be in the audience? Those according to his flesh. And maybe some of them might be saved. Now, if you've been saved any length of time, you know the gospel like the back of your hand. But you never know who is not only watching, but listening to you. You may be speaking to someone in the line at the grocery store about the Lord because they saw your Jesus saved sweatshirt. But then the next thing you know, the person that was a couple of people behind you overheard that. And maybe they got saved. This is the idea. Um, this is the idea. And this is why Paul says, and might save some of them. Those are other individual Jews that could still be saved if they would trust the Messiah. And maybe if they inquire enough, hey, why is Paul doing this? People inquire enough, the next thing you know, now the Lord starts pricking their heart. And so that's the idea. Paul has a genuine concern and a genuine love for the Jewish people. There is people. And he's writing to the Romans, though. The Romans are a Gentile nation. Any any nation that's not a Jewish nation is a Gentile nation. Now, it's kind of odd if you think about this thought. The Roman Catholic Church tries to make Peter their first pope. It's kind of odd when we have here Paul is the one who is writing to the Romans. It's It's a bit odd, but... But Paul now, he has devoted three entire chapters to Israel. We were in Romans 9, right? When we were in Romans 10, now we're in Romans 11. And Paul has dealt with Israel's past, present, and now future in Romans 11. He's he's spent three entire chapters writing to the Romans who were Gentiles What do you think would be the obvious question that would come into the Roman Gentiles' mind? Why in the world are you telling me about these Jewish people? (laughs) We are Romans! (laughs) And so that objection comes up, and now Paul has to answer that objection. And the simple answer is, because there may be some Jews among you. Take that as a practical lesson for your own life, like we just spoke about. There may be some unbelievers amongst the crowd of believers. There's always people that need to hear the gospel. Paul also is doing something in Romans 11. He is setting a tone for no room for anybody to boast. And here's why this is important. Because on one hand, God is pleased with setting aside Israel temporarily. He is pleased with that. And he turns his attention, he turns away from giving attention to national Israel, and he turns his attention to Gentile nations. God is pleased with that. But God is also pleased that in the future he is going to gather his nation those Jewish people nationally. He is going to cleanse them. He is going to give them their land. He is going to give them a new heart. That is going to happen. And Paul is setting the tone, look, God is pleased now and he is going to be pleased in the future on how he's dealing with the nation. And whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you have no room to boast. This is God's plan and this is God's purpose. Look at, with me, if you will, in Romans 11, verse number 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? What a loaded, loaded question. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 as our next stop. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at this passage here. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse number 18 will be in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now we just read in Romans 11, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. Watch what 2 Corinthians 5 says. Verse 18. And all things are of God, Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Amen. Who hath, here's the word, reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of what? That's reconciliation used twice in one verse. Look at verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of, what is it? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. That's twice again in the next verse. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye what? Reconciled. Reconciled to God. When the Jewish people refused the Messiah, it pleased God to turn himself, to turn his ways to the Gentile nations where the gospel would go, would be proclaimed worldwide and Gentile individuals and nations would now be reconciled to God. Israel set aside. Yeah, but Gentiles now can be reconciled to God. It pleased God because now the world can be reconciled to him. So the casting away, in Romans eleven fifteen, 15, when it says, for if the casting away of them, that casting away, that setting aside of the Jew, it meant that the Gentile world would get in on the reconciling. <laughs> That's what God is about. Reconciling people to Himself. Amen. Guess what He's given you? I don't know what my ministry is. It's found right here in 2 Corinthians 5, amen. amen? Reconciling others to Him. So, in Romans eleven fifteen, the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. That is what became the riches of, of the Gentiles. But at the same time, God has not forgotten his covenant with his national people. Go back to uh, Romans 11, and we'll also need the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, and we'll get chapter 37, you go through Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then Ezekiel. If you get to Daniel, you've gone too far. We'll get Romans 11, and then Ezekiel 37 will be our next two stops. Romans chapter number 11, verse number 15, it ends in a very interesting or loaded way, maybe a better way to say this. Let's read it. Bible says, for the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world. We talked about that. What shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? There's two parts to this question. One is, who exactly receives this life from the dead? Who's being spoken about? The second question is, well, what in the world is this life from the dead. Let's get some help. Ezekiel 37. Who receives this life from the dead? And what is this life from the dead? Ezekiel chapter number 37. Look at verse number one. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in this open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. That's a pretty good place to stop and say, Well, praise God that he knows. (laughs) God knowest. But in these first three chapters, The question here is, can these bones live? They're dead. And they need some life if they're not going to be dead anymore. But who are these bones? Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Again, he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. How about that? But who are these bones? Who are these bones? And if they're going to live, they're going to need some things. And Ezekiel 37, verses four, five, and six, tells us they need to hear the word of the Lord. They're going to need some things to live. What else are they going to need? They're going to need some breath if they're going to live. What else are they going to need? Some sinews. Those are tendons that bring muscle, uh, that bring uh, the muscles to the bones and it puts them together. Why? It sounds like these bones are scattered. <laughs> And they need some sinews. They need some skin. These bones need some things. Who are these bones? Who are these bones? Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, like any good prophet, amen? amen. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together. Why? Because they were scattered. Bone to his bone. When I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. They weren't scattered anymore. Now these bones are together, but there was still a problem. There was no breath in them. Who are these bones? Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, And breathe upon these slain that they may, what? Live. Who are these bones? They're scattered. They're dead. They're dry. They have no life. Who are these bones? Verse number 10. So I prophesied, he commanded me, and the breath came upon them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army looks like they've come together. It looks like these bones aren't new bones. It looks like they're old dry bones that have been restored. (laughs) I wonder who these bones are. Let's keep reading. Verse number 11. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Who are the bones? It's the nation of Israel. That's who the bones are. And right now they're dead, they're dry, and they're scattered, and they have no life in them spiritually at all. If there's any doubt in anybody's mind who these dry bones are, verse 11 gives the answer. And it isn't the new testament church or new testament christians or old testament saints that have died in the past the bible clearly gives us the answer the whole house of israel that's who the bones are and this chapter is talking about a resurrection and it isn't a physical resurrection It is a spiritual resurrection of the nation of Israel. And God has not forgotten his covenant with his people, and he will restore his nation. Ezekiel 37 completely debunks and throws out any type of replacement theology that any so-called theologian would come up with. It has absolutely nothing to do with the church. It has to do with God's promise to breathe life into His nation. And anything else is not only unbiblical, it's absolutely heretical. This nation will have spiritual life again, and God will do it. Watch this, verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, behold, Oh, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. They are being restored to their land. Watch this. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, oh, my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and ye shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live... And I shall place you in your own land, that's the nation coming back to their land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Until this happens, all you have is a dead valley of dry bones that are sleeping among Gentile nations. And this is not a physical resurrection. This is a spiritual resurrection. Well, how do you know that? Let's look at some passages here. Go to the New Testament. Go to Ephesians 2. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 1. Ephesians 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Before you got saved, were you physically dead? According to this verse? You absolutely know that that's spiritual death. You were dead spiritually. Look at verse number 5. Even when we were quickened in sins, I'm sorry, even when we were quickened in sins, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are what? Saved. Were you saved physically? No. Has absolutely nothing to do with you being saved from being hit by a car. It says you were dead in sins. That means you were physically alive, breathing, you were healthy physically, but you were spiritually dead. That's what that's talking about. You're alive, one way, but you're dead, another way. And guess what happened when I got saved and guess what happened when you got saved? You got life, what? From the dead. Death can't touch you, spiritually. You say, brother Jimmy, I'm gonna die. Of course you're going to die, physically. But you're not going to die spiritually. Amen. You've been resurrected to new life. Well, what are you talking about? I'm not in the dirt. No, I know you're above ground physically. But when God breathed life into you, you were resurrected from the dead. You, you know, Some people say, hey, what do you, uh, I offer them a gospel track and they say, what is it? What is that? And one of the the go-tos that I use is, I said, well, this is a gospel tract. It will show you how to pass from death to life. It's supposed to make them curious. Well, wait a minute, I'm alive. Yeah, physically, but spiritually you're dead. And when God breathes life into you, when you receive the ministry of reconciliation, you've been reconciled to God, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and you are, you are now raised to newness of life. What is that life? It's a new spiritual life. It has nothing to do with your physical body whatsoever. Your physical body is your problem. It's my problem. <laughs> it's always going to be our problem. I wish my flesh got saved. It's just not going to happen yet. It's going to happen at a later, later time. Go to Luke 15. I'll show you another one. Y'all know this, so it'll be easy to understand. Look at Luke 15. Luke 15, look at verse number 24. The Bible says in Luke 15, it's prodigal son, verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. Did the prodigal son... Get killed in the hog pen like the hogs just killed him. <laughs> no, he was alive. What are you talking about? It says that, for this my son was dead. He was dead. spirit. It's a spiritual, very clearly a spiritual application. The prodigal son also gives an explanation of you can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. He was lost and is found. Praise God. Praise God. That's what we were. We were lost and dead in trespasses and sins. And we received a newness of life. We were raised from the dead. You and I are no longer dead in trespasses and sins. Where are we now? Our life is hid with Christ in God. Praise the Lord. Christ lives in us. So the Jews, they don't need to be physically raised from the dead. You know what they do need? They need spiritual life. When is that going to happen? At the end of Daniel's 70th week. Notice I said Daniel's 70th week, not the church's 70th week. Amen. Only through Israel's restoration will full the fullness of the worldwide blessing come. Yes, their casting away has brought the gospel and the spirit of reconciliation to the Gentiles, yes. And they are receiving now life from the dead. But I want, let's look at Isaiah 27. Go there. I want to look at this verse. Because there is still a fullness that will come. It's always been God's plan to bless the world through His Jewish nation. Look at Isaiah 27. We can't do a deep dive in Isaiah, but we are going to look at verse 6. Watch what God says through the prophet Isaiah, 27, verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. We're going to talk about the root next Sunday, by the way. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Well, they're not doing that now, are they? Guess when that's going to happen? In the millennial reign of Christ. During that millennial reign. That nation will, it's their new spiritual life will flow out of them and that new spiritual life in the millennial kingdom that flows out of them, it will be sur- they will be surrounded by Gentile nations and it will be shared by the Gentile nations. We don't have this time to get into all that the judgment of nations that... Um, but, the, but there's a connection there to that and how, uh, how the Jewish people are treated by nations during Daniel's 70th week. And that national judgment is another important aspect. We've got to put that on the side burner because we'll never get through if we go down that road. What is the millennial reign? It is the 1,000-year literal reign of Christ on the earth and that is the years of the fullness of the blessing and Israel will finally come back to her princely place on the earth right now what are they Ezekiel 37 that's right dry bones they're spiritually dead right now that is their condition but at the second coming of Christ that nation will be Mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. You picking up what God's Word's putting down? God's going to bring life into that nation. They will be resuscitated. And praise the Lord. All right, let's make another stop. Flipping our Bibles, go back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 12. If you can make it tonight, or this afternoon rather, I'd like you to be here. If you can't make it, I'm going to urge you to listen to the message online because it will be about debunking this false notion that is growing ever so rapidly in our in Christendom in America, especially, which is Dominion theology, replacement theology, New Apostolic Reformation, uh, Reconstructionism. It all goes by a different name, but it's all the same false teaching. A taking of Israel and taking Israel and making it the church. And you will see this afternoon why there is so much confusion amongst Christian people. Because they are being indoctrinated to think that Israel, that the church is now the new Israel. And it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. And we must understand this. What does that have to do with Genesis 12? Well, let's read it and I'll tell you. Genesis 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Hallelujah. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. This is why there will be a judgment of nations based on how they treat the Jew during the time of Jacob's trouble or Daniel's 70th week. But here's the verse I wanted to look at. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In Acts 15, God has visited the Gentiles and he told them, he said to take out of them a people for his name. That's Acts 15. But that is not a fulfillment of, of Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12 and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. It has not been fulfilled yet. We must understand this. Genesis 12:3 has not been fulfilled yet. And every group that thinks that the church is now Israel cherry-picks this verse. And by default, they always end up getting themselves active in political influence because they want all the families of the earth to be blessed because they think that they're Israel and they're not Israel. If you believe that the church has replaced Israel, you will cherry pick out of this verse. Why? Because they think that it is their duty to usher in a worldwide kingdom. And it isn't their duty. Christ is going to come back and set up His kingdom. If you don't believe that, it, that the church has replaced Israel... What are you and I now free to do? Go out, 2 Corinthians 5, and preach the gospel as the ministry of what? Reconciliation. I am not interested in trying to be a political influencer so that we can bless all the nations and all the people and usher in Christ. You know what that is? Post millennialism. We're going to get into that this afternoon. So hold that thought. I want us to understand there's a distinction between Israel and the church. What are we to busy ourselves with? The preaching of the Gospel. During the millennial reign, Genesis 12.3 will be fulfilled. Because through Israel, all the nations will be fulfilled. Blessed, And that will be fulfilled. All right, last thought, and then we'll, we'll close out. From 70 A.D., that's a long time ago, to 1948, that's also a long time ago. But that time frame is a long span. Guess who has existed during that time? Jewish people, Israelites, who have a national lineage from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jewish people have always existed. And from 70 AD to 1948, the Jewish people have always had an identity. They didn't lose their identity. It wasn't until 1948 that Israel became a state, help me, not spiritually Ezekiel 37, but Israel became a state politically based on what the United Nations set up and them joining them and all of that. And so when you look on the map, you see, because of 1948, you see Israel on the map. And people say, well, that's, a, that's Bible prophecy. It's not Bible prophecy. Those Jewish people have always had an identity. They always will have an identity. No political deal is going to take that away from those people. In 1948, we had... (laughs) Try to get any big political player to reestablish Babylon. It'll never happen. Uh, How about the Roman Empire or the Assyrian Empire? Do you think someone can reestablish that? No, they can't. You know what has never passed away? Israel. Because God's got his hand on those people. And he has not forgotten his covenant with those people. But in 1948, we didn't have a spiritual prophetic uh, unfolding. Why? Go to Ezekiel 37 and then we'll wrap it up. On this thought, but I want—I want us to look at Ezekiel uh, 30. Go to Ezekiel 36 and Exodus 23, and we'll close out here. I want to show you why. Uh, Exodus 23 and Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, look at verse 24. We'll do this first. Ezekiel 36. And you ask yourself if these things have happened yet. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. All right, let's keep reading. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Do you think they're living like that now? They're not. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Do you think they're living like that right now? They are not. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart Of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Are they doing them right now? No, because they have not received spiritual life at all. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Well, they're dwelling in the land, they became a state. according to a political deal. Did God give the nation borders? You look up Israel on the map right now. What God has promised them is a lot bigger than the borders that are mapped out right now for the state of Israel that we look at. Let me look at the borders and then we'll close out. Look at at Exodus 23, verse 31. I'll show you the borders. bible says in exodus 31 and i will set thy bounds this is their land verse 30 at the end of it you see that and inherit the land and i will set thy bounds from the red sea even unto the sea of the philistines that sea of the philistines it refers to the mediterranean sea watch what it says and from the desert unto the river now, that river refers to the Euphrates River. In Genesis 15, it says, Under thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So, though, that's a quick snapshot of the border, the borders of Israel, the land that God promised his people. So, that means when you look at your map now, that covers Jordan, that covers Lebanon, That covers parts of Egypt. That covers half of Syria. That covers uh, half of Iraq. They became a political state in 1948. That little piece of land that you look at on the map now, biblically, it is a lot bigger than that, folks. God has promised that nation a big chunk of land. And they're going to get that land. As New Testament Christians, we should emulate Paul. Preach the gospel because you never know if an individual Jew is listening. All throughout history, we can see God's hand of providence amongst His people. That is why they have always, always been a people. But what we see on the map now isn't anything like the biblical boundaries found in the Bible. It's there. It's in the area. Praise God for His providence. We see that state of Israel. Pray for Israel. We're for Israel. But that land is a lot bigger than what we see mapped out right now. Their fullness is going to come. And when Christ reigns, that's when Genesis 12 verse 3 will finally be fulfilled. Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 37 will finally be fulfilled when Christ breathes life into them and they spiritually come alive. He has not forgotten His covenant with His people. May we understand that we need to pray for Israel. But God is going to do what He said He is going to do. It is His elect nation, nothing you and I or anybody else or any political power can do to stop that or squash it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.